Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Yes, yes, today, yes, yes, today, you know, as we start this show, this one might be. There is a pause. Throughout the stadium, as this man sounds like he just coughed up a lung. Just looking around, the jumbotron shows and pans the cheerleaders, and as it goes down each cheerleader's face, each one breaks up into laughter, which at this particular time destroys half the stadium. The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Does this guy need? Uh, CPR or something, and then at that particular time, I lost it. <laughs> Devon Trump. Yes, 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 today. Lost Hope Radio. this one, Mike. Phoenix is another place. They got a great uh, training staff. I mean, they, they were able to breathe life back into Shaq. And you can do that. You know, people talk a lot about their <laughs> training staff. Lost, lost. Yes, yes, today. You know, as we start this show, this one mic. Yes, we have reached the dog days of summer, and it's been interrupted by the oasis known as the MLB All-Star Game and NBA Free Agency. And, yes, Timmy has retired. As always, we like to thank you for spending your next 90 minutes with us here with the one mic with myself and my guy Hank as we uh, – we bless the mic and, and talk about what is happening in sports today. Before I get into that, though, uh, I'd like to say we want to thank that uh, we're brought to you by Blog Talk Radio. All the callers come in on the Blog Talk Radio airwaves, and we'd like to uh, also encourage you to subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, provide us with some feedback. We love some five ratings and some reviews. Uh, but uh, it's been good, and thank you. And welcome to RSG One Mic, our one, our platform. To, to get a little bit deeper into topics, as I know we're here with my guy Hank. And, Hank, I just want to uh, welcome you to the mic. How are you doing tonight? Man, I'm going to tell you how I'm doing. It's so hot here in the Midwest. I could have sworn I saw the devil taking an ice bath when I came in the house today. I'm telling you, man, it's hot around here. I don't want to complain about it because this is a four-season uh, state that we live in, and it could basically have a blizzard tomorrow. I doubt it. If that happens, I know that all lives are definitely going to matter at that time. But I can tell you right now, I feel good, I feel pumped up, I feel glad to be here tonight, and let's just get it started. Wow. Well, hey, let's, 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 let's uh, start with our Bless the Mic segment. Uh, 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 segment. Now, the big fundamental, retired, and now nah, he's not going to do a tour. He's going to send you a fax, and they're going to post the letter up, and then you're going to have Popovich come out, look like he came out in front of his house and talk to you about his retirement. 
Man, that 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 is so Tim Duncan. What, I mean, Let me tell you, I um, had a chance to watch it. What's what's your thoughts about them? You know what? I love Tim Duncan. You know, the big fundamental, one of the best nicknames in in, uh, in professional sports, and he and he and he and he was. And I think that Tim Duncan is one of those kind of players that could basically transcend uh, generations because his game was, you know, he 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 was a bad basketball player. A big man that had nice low post moves, could move around in the paint. Uh, got, got, had a nice little uh, uh, jumper around the paint. You know, defended well in his youth. You know, everybody talked about uh, the admiral, and the admiral, you know, David Robinson didn't win nothing until he got Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan has always been the epitome of class. Uh, a lot of old school hoopers like the San Antonio Spurs because of that big three and how they played. You know, he's going to be missed, but he was very, you know, if you watch the game at all, it was very clear that his skills had diminished. He got absolutely abused in the series against Oklahoma City. I'm going to miss him. You know, I wish, you know, there were more big men like him. He wasn't a liability on the free throw line. You know, and and, uh, a few years ago when they lost to um, the Miami Heat, I was screaming at the top of my lungs at Popovich because he was taking him out at the end of those games. But he figured it out later. You know, he's going, to, he's going to be, again, a class, class act. You're right, no tours. And if anybody deserved one, it was Tim Duncan. Yeah. Five titles, you know, with the San Antonio Spurs. They, and, and when they didn't win it, they were in it. And you could not, you know, uh, you, you absolutely could not count them out, you know, when he was on the floor and when they got to playoff basketball. So, again, uh, era of basketball, retired, you know, God bless him. And I wish him all the luck in the world. You know, just again, just an epitome of class. I don't. I'm. I'm, I'm done. I'm gonna let y'all know, and that's it. it. I mean, what's so great about it is, I mean, I mean, it's just like he writes the letter. They post it on the website, uh, post it on all the other social media platforms, and that's it. You might get a. You might get an interview at the halftime of the uh, of the first first NBA uh, nationally televised game where he might talk. But, I mean, it's just, you're right. And I'm wondering if because he did that, I think I think both you and I appreciate the fact that he stayed in a small market. Uh, he won five titles, you know. And we have this saying when I'm on the big show with uh, uh, my guy Marcus and Phil, and shout out to those guys and uh, to uh, to Justin Page, who was also on with us, talking to an NBA review. Uh, check us out on uh, uh, on the uh, iTunes podcast, it's, it was a great podcast. But the, one of the things we talk about is a little room, a little like like there's a Hall of Fame, and then there's that room. You know, Michael was probably sitting at the head of the table, you know, at the room with the big piece of chicken. And but when people do the rankings of like their top fifty or top whatever, and they get to that top ten, it's interesting when they have a guy like Tim Duncan. And, and the more I thought about, it, I was like, that's a guy that should be in a small room, All right? He, mm-hmm. But is he not in a small room because he didn't make enough noise? You're absolutely right. I mean, I I think you're absolutely right. I mean, Tim Duncan, well, he he came, you know, he did his job, and then he went home. And, you know, he didn't need a whole lot of flash and fluff, but there wasn't nobody stopping him. There wasn't nobody stopping him, especially around the paint. He was a textbook uh, player as far as how to play around in the paint. You know, he's one of the kind of players that you watch if you're a big man simply because you just love 
all the things he could do in that paint. And then if he got fouled, he's going to kill you on the free throw line. You know, I mean, I mean two or three MVPs of, of, of the finals for the, the Spurs. I mean, again, but he was, but he was quiet. You, you know, and I don't mean that he, he spoke and everything, but he just, you did, he, again, he didn't need no tour. He don't need nobody calling his name. He don't need a bunch of gifts that, that, that he ain't going to do nothing with. He don't need the whole NBA to thank him for nothing. You know, and I think that that is a, just a far cry, especially when you think about the fact he spent his entire career in San Antonio. Like you said, a small market of, um, uh, team. He spends his whole career there, wins five titles, put them on the map, and then quietly rides off into the sunset. Class. Absolute class. And it's it's interesting. I mean, Popovich doesn't get emotional very often, but it was obvious when he was doing that press conference yesterday. I mean, you don't get often to see that side of Popovich. I think he's like Belichick in that people who know him probably know a riot he is, kind of thing like that, but it's very guarded in terms of how he does the public stuff. Uh, we'll push back even in that space. But you can tell how powerful that relationship is, almost like, you know, a son. And people talk about that, but you can literally say, you know, they're connected. Um, so that that says a lot about it. I think the, the, the one people, the, the, the one group that's not going to miss Tim are referees. Like everybody talks about how nice Tim was, but Tim never fouled anybody. Like every time he turned around, he would argue with the referee. I will say that. I'm gonna say some nice things about Tim back there, but he the referees boy, they like. I'm glad he's gone. But yeah, he he, he, he has something to say all the time. You're absolutely right. Every time you looked around, like he was whining to the referee's head bent down. Yeah, you you'll see that going down the floor every time. But make no mistake about it, this is an end of an era where you think yeah. about it. I, I heard it. I heard on the radio someone made a, a great comparison. Look at the San Antonio Spurs. Now the way that franchise is set up, and with some of the players they still have. You know, they're going to be competitive still for a long time. It's going to be a challenge for uh, Pop to go and, and, and coach this team, you know, post-Tim Duncan. But it's not going to be the same. You're not going to have a big fella in your locker room anymore. Somebody made the comparison of, like, you look at the New England Patriots. All right, the way that franchise is set up, once Tom Brady goes, they may be, they'll still be competitive. competitive. But you're going to be, that's going to be a different locker room when you don't have that player in there anymore that knows how to win and knows how to talk to those young players, it's an end of an era. And, and make no mistake about it, they left. You know, that team won 67 ball games this past year. So you're not talking about a team that's trying to, re, you know, uh, rebuild. They're going to try to reload. And it's going to be interesting to see how they do it without Duncan. I mean, you make an interesting point around the – because I think one of the things that I, I've often said a lot on, on our podcast is that, um, you know, key to winning, to building really good teams are to have key veterans. To me, I, you know, I, you know, when we think about what Cleveland accomplished this year, you know, um, you know, having Ricky Jefferson in the locker room, not only a veteran, but a veteran who can contribute in that kind of behind the scenes mentoring is critical. And so even though Tim wasn't as active and still some decent numbers in the regular season, uh, but what he gave to making sure everybody was clear about how they were going to approach the game. I mean, I think the only other person that is more unassuming that he kind of passed the torch to is Kawhi Leonard. We don't know what kind of leader he is in that capacity, 
we're going to find out. He's definitely leading on the court in a way that Tim was leading. I mean, he, he did, he's there. He's a lunch pail. I mean, I'm surprised I don't see him in any plaid shirts like Tim used to wear before they made do the dress code. You know, uh, <laughs> but Kawhi is, Kawhi is following in those footsteps uh, in that mm-hmm. way. But we, we don't know what his impact is on other players. Um, and that's something that is going to be remain to be seen because, you know, then you're going to have, you know, Ginobili's going to be next and Parker is going to be. And, and then it's like who – they got a lot of good players. But like you said, who's going to be those leaders in the locker room? And they did get Paul Gasol, but Paul Gasol is during the end of his run, I mean, as mm-hmm. well. So it's not like Paul can take over. So, you know, is, is uh, Aldridge going to be able to step into that role? Aldridge is that kind of guy. But can he can he take over in that space? And we'll remain to be seen because you're right. What they lose in terms of the leadership, the how they approach the game, holding the brand. Obviously, Popovich has got his arms around that team. But as you know, and I would say that even in organizations, you and I both are have leadership roles in our organizations. Our organization is only as good as our people in terms of the leadership in the locker room. All great organizations require you to have locker room leadership and people policing the locker room. In professional sports, that is the place. It's the, the locker room is the place where the players rule. And great teams have order in that space. And Tim Duncan, the reason why they were so great is because people like Tim Duncan made sure, for getting the torch from Robinson, made sure that there was a way in which they were going to approach it. And everybody knew it when they came to the team. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you know, you know similar, similar to you know, kind of our, uh, you know, our, you know, you and I are you know, Piston fans, you know, similar to the Pistons, you know, uh, and, and, and being that kind of team, you know, everybody knew you had to land beer before you got mm-hmm. the game on in. You know, you know, San Antonio, it's clear when people come to San Antonio, there is a way in which the, the orientation uh, of that process uh, is, uh, is handled. Absolutely. Well, we we're gonna see. You know, Popovich is gonna lay down. He's gonna find a way. He's gonna retool. He got some talent. You know, obviously you don't have the legend in the room. Um, and um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have an opportunity to to kind of square that. You know, when we when we when we when we come back, we're gonna get a little bit more of the NBA talk. Now, before uh, uh, we came on the air, uh, my my guy had a lot to say about his feelings about where the league is right now. And when we come back, we'll give Hank an opportunity to to, to really let his, let his wings fly a little bit on as we try to uh, close it up here on, on White Mike in the NBA season when we come back from uh, this uh, musical interlude. I'm loosening up. Nothing can stop me, I'm all the way up Want, I got what you need. Need. Shorty, what you want? I got what you need. Huh? Shorty, what you want? I got what you need. I'm all the way up. 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 Nothing can stop me. I'm 
Bentley coops and Rolexes. Kicked the bitch out the room and gave her no breakfast. Had to stash the jewels, these bitches are so reckless. Keep on, so cruise, I'm talking. All right, we're all the way up. This is D. Wills with one mic here uh, on the Real Sports Guys podcast network. Uh, we're going to get into the NBA talk. Before we do it, we got one of our listeners who called in. Uh, heard we were talking about this NBA stuff. We got Nas uh, we're going to bring on from Atlanta. Nas, welcome to One Mike Real Sports Guys. How you doing, Nas? I'm good, man. I, I see y'all playing that all the way up, man. I, I guess New York, it's been a long time since y'all had a summer hit. So, I mean, New York, I guess congratulate yourself. There you go. Finally back. Uh, yeah, thanks for letting me on, my man. <laughs> we throw us some shots out. We throw us some shots out. <laughs> hey, man. So, so you you want to weigh in on some of this NBA talk. What do you, what yeah, do you want yeah. to weigh in on, man? I wanted to get to free agency, but I think uh, I'd be out of the line if I didn't say uh, much respect to LeBron, CP3, and Melo, and uh, D-Wade tonight for the opening of the ESPYs uh, where they talked about a commitment uh, to their uh, communities and address uh, some of the things going on in the country. That was surprising and, you know, good to see, good to see. But uh, the NBA well, man, you want to yeah, let me say that. I want to follow up real quickly on that. Thank you for raising that up. And I know we're going to hit it on later in the show. But uh, we've been on athletes about their ability to use their voice and their power. That's what we always talk about here on uh, on, the, on the Real Sports Guys Network. I'm glad you brought that up. And uh, I did want to give them the nod as well because you can feel the momentum. And even Steph coming up later on when he accepted his award, giving a nod back to him. So, you know, you can already see the ripple effect of, of that really set the tone for the show. So thank you for bringing it up. But we, are you on with my guy Hank? But you said so. You in Atlanta and you want to talk about free agency? Y'all got y'all got Dwight down there. What Dwight gonna do in the building? Uh, maybe they'll go to the second round instead of the first round. It's gonna be interesting. <laughs> High aspirations down here in Atlanta, man. You know, hey, I, I, no, I, I have to be honest. You know, this is a diminished Dwight, but it's it's much better than what we had. Uh, considering Coach's Bud system, but you know it, it's kind of good to see Dwight go out, go out on his, uh, with his career on on a high note. I think he'll be uh, you know really loved and respected down here. He'll never be that twenty and and twelve guy again every night, but I think he can do some you know numbers similar to that, and he can be effective. But you know this team doesn't really have a true all star, so you know we we'll only go as far as we can. But the, the the big thing with free agency, no matter what, everybody's going to talk Kevin Durant. Uh, we're going to see the league pass for Golden State go through the roof because everybody's going to want to watch all 82. And, and I think this is media-driven. I think the media's uh, 24-7 now, and the whole idea of talking about people's legacy in their 20s and this whole thing of if you don't have a title, then you're nothing, I think that's what pushed him to go ahead and do this so he can say, let me get my rings. So then I'm bona fide, and then, you know, my career takes me wherever it takes me. But it, it, it's just a weird space that we're in that we can't respect a seven-footer who can do all the things that he does because people immediately go to, well, what about the ring? Does he have a ring? So I, I think they forced his hand into this. But we're going to see some good basketball. Hell, we might see a 50-point quarter. Who knows what we might see out of those guys next year. 
But uh, I, I really wish we could get some more responsible voices in, in mainstream media so we don't do this. Uh, either a guy's uh, all-time great, the best player to ever live, or he's trash. Like, and these are the conversations that tend to happen. You know what I mean? So hopefully we can clean that up. But free agency and the new salary cap, man, I, I'm ready for basketball, man. We, I'm willing to fast forward half of football, but I, I'm ready for basketball season to start up again, dude. I'm excited after this. Well, it, and, and, and Naj, you hit the big thing because, and we talked about it on our on our previous podcast. We did one focus on on the NBA, and it's as if the NBA is taking over the off season the way the NFL used to own it. And the point you hit about you know this this pressure that we put on people to define the legacy based on championships is is real. And the, I guess the one reaction was actually interesting to me out of all the reactions because. We got this kind of uh, this chasm between the old school and the new school evolving in some ways um, around some of these issues. But the one that was interesting was around uh, what, what Reggie Miller said about the the role. That, so he wasn't he wasn't arguing the same way. He was arguing something different around the responsibility of stars to small their small market teams. This greater responsibility. Did you hear that remark that he made around that? Yeah. Yeah, I heard that. That that was one of the most company man, well manicured, terrible speeches I've heard in a long time. Reggie didn't have the ability to do that. So it's easy to criticize somebody else, you know, years later for it. But yeah, I thought Reggie was way off of base off base. And the idea that an NBA uh athlete or any athlete, uh, their first loyalty should be to a small market franchise and not their own uh particular brand or their own identity. Uh, as long as they're helping grow the game, uh, what really can you say? And if we're going to talk about small markets, uh, are we going to say anything about the Spurs uh, not contributing as far as, you know, being the ones who do the press, uh, you know, really push the game forward as far as the NBA? So if, it, if you're going to criticize a small market player, you got to criticize the small market owners as well. Mm, mm, mm. So yeah, man, I, I, don't, I, I, I didn't. I didn't like Reggie's comments. I'll just say that, man. I... So what you say? Go back to him. Oh, go ahead. Thank you, the belly. Well, listen. What I was going to say, you know, you make you make a valid point about the uh, the small market owner. But when you're looking at the NBA right now and you're looking at what they're paying these guys, I don't care. Something small market is just is just a name only. All right, because when you're paying players, marginal players, bench players, $120 million just because you got it to spend, that's ridiculous. It's really telling me that you've got a bunch of people out there that's got a lot of money that simply don't know how to build a franchise, don't know how to build a team. Okay, when you're looking at players like your Kevin Durant and these other guys that's out here and they're playing on these small market teams, if that's what you want to call them, there's no loyalty with those owners. You know, when you look at uh, Kevin Durant, you look at Oklahoma City, where did they come from? Seattle. All right, now, so he's leaving. They're given an opportunity. He wants to win. I don't have a problem with that. The NBA needs to do something true enough to try to make sure that the teams that they have there survive. All right, you have some teams out there that no one's going to come and see because nobody wants to go there. That's a problem. That's a league problem. All right, they can pull all the money they want to out there, but if you've got teams 
that's willing to give you money, but I don't want to go there because there's nothing for me to do in Memphis. There's nothing for me to do in Detroit. There's nothing for me to do in Oklahoma City. Then you're sitting here and you're just wasting your time. You've got all this money to spend, so you give it to, you know, Joe Blow just because he's able to put his shorts on the right way. That doesn't make any sense to me. So when you're talking about these teams and you're talking about the NBA as a whole, that's a problem. That's a big problem, and that's and that's and that's going to be a systemic problem. They're going to have to do something about. Right, right, and, and well, I would throw it, it, on, on. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Now say what you're going to say. Yeah, and I would throw on top of that though. You have a kind of you have a responsibility if you buy a team in a certain town that you need to you need to spend more on scouting. You need to spend more on analytics. You really need to be well versed in how to build a team. So if you if you're in a small market to where you really have to depend on getting people in the seats, then you have to build a quality club. And like you're saying, irresponsibly spending money or, or you know, gambling on guys' potential, uh, you know, of, of what they could be, that's just not a smart way of doing business. So if you're in one of these small markets, you've got to go above and beyond. And you knew that when you purchased the franchise. And I would love if these owners would open the books and let us know how much revenue is pouring in from China, Japan, and some of these other places that we now know are basketball hotbeds, and the players might be getting a little, you know, a little of the sugar. But man, I guarantee you, the owners—they are stacking up something ridiculous right now. The TV deals are, are not a standalone as, as far as what they're pulling in. Let me tell you this too. You know, we we, we spent some time talking about these small market uh, owners. But you've got some big market owners that don't know their head from their backside if you gave them a GPS. Help me understand being in the media uh, mecca, New York City, and they can't figure out a way to put a team together uh, no matter what you do. You give them four players. The only thing they got to do is find one. Find one, and they can't do that. I mean, think about that a minute. I mean, how, how sorry has New York been? And Brooklyn, for the love of God. You know, they changed their team colors to black and white. I guess they might as well go on and get the hearse, too. It don't make any sense. You know what I'm saying? Think about that a minute. So, and, and, and Los Angeles. Now, there are some teams in the, in, in, the, in the NBA that need to step up. And there's a lot of reasons why a lot of these small market teams are floundering because they have to do it on their own. And with every league, you've got to have some staples to, to continue to, you know, flourish. Your Boston's your L.A.s, your New Yorks, they're all down. Chicago, you know, they're all down. You know, so now you've got these teams that are, are doing well, but they're, they're really not, when you think about it, they're really not appealing. Unless you've got to your basketball NBA purists, they're not really appealing to your regular crowd because you've got your Golden State and your Cleveland. That's a sweet story. But, you know, that's not what anybody wanted to really see. I mean, they wanted to see LeBron James. But they would see LeBron James in a tutu if he played in it. I mean, that's LeBron James. But you talk <laughs> yeah. about the rest of the league, it's not really appealing now. It's trying to come back with some nice young talent. But the marquee names, the names that's known to the league, they all suck. And that's a problem, too. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about bad ownership. Jim Buss in L.A., uh, Dolan in New York. Yeah, they've, they've done horrible jobs. And, oh. you know, the weird thing about this is, we're seeing things just, just oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, my bad. I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to step on if somebody was speaking. My bad. Um, jumped in. No, 
This is One Mike with the host here on the Real Sports Guys podcast. And we were, you know, having a great conversation uh, about some of the NBA basketball. Uh, we had Naj jump in here from Atlanta, jumping in. Uh, a lot of activity. You know, it's been a while since we, you know, we usually, I usually get folks on our, uh, our uh, Facebook put some comments out, and I think Phil T. put a great post on Facebook about his feelings around Durant's decision and uh, my feedback. If you want to just just go to uh, you go to our um, realsportsguide.com, click on uh, the Facebook icon, and uh, you can um, like us on Facebook and, uh, and chime in on that conversation. A lot of great conversations with folks coming around the country uh, have been chiming in on a lot of stuff that's been happening in the NBA. Um, and we're, you know, we're feeling good about it. And the NBA is in some way, we've talked about this in, in, you know, ever since the decision, it's almost like the NBA, you know, the free agency has been crazy and it's owned the summer in a way that the NFL normally owns it, which is, which is amazing. And so I'm here with my guy, Hank, uh, Hank, boy, this is, this has been a good show, man. We had a rundown, got some energy. How you feeling? I'm still feeling good, man. You know, again, it, it's so hot, I can't help but feel anything else but good. Yeah, man, and, and I think there's some good points. And some of the points I was trying to make earlier, because we were trying to connect with Naj and trying to get some things going, and I was there. But part of one of the things I was – one of the points that might be a legitimate point with Durant, because I'm all for, as I said before, and, I, I, you know, Game Changer and I talked a lot about this, you know, um, and particularly with how your legacy is going to be, you know, players got to make decisions about what's best for them, particularly when people are going to be, um, um, you know, placing them and evaluating them based on chips, where to do it. But the idea that Oklahoma City normally is, is thinking that the team that you're with is not going to put the pieces around you, you know, when you're up, uh, what they were up on Golden State, um, and, you know, a lot of it came down to, you know, your ability to make decisions, uh, as well as your, your co-star, uh, Westbrook, making plays. You make two or three more possessions, now y'all play in the finals. Um, and then he goes out, he gets he gets a great trade, he gets a bonus back, he gets Oladipo, he gets some other pieces, you get younger. Um, uh, you still, there's you know, they still have to make a decision on waiters, but, you know, now your team is more athletic, um, you got a deeper team, you know, there's some evidence that they're trying to make sure we get in this position again, we can get over the top. Is there some legitimacy to that aspect of it? Listen, I think that when you look at um, when you look at Durant, you know, I, we we had this conversation before. You know, even when your boy said that they were going to go to the finals, I told you, I said, unless somebody can figure out a way to curtail. Uh, 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 Russell Westbrook, that was not going to happen. I don't. I, I think there's a lot of good that Oklahoma City has. I really do. But I always looked at that, okay. And that and Russell Westbrook and 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 there's just things about him. And granted, Durant didn't make some of the best decisions either. But you know what? I think some of that can be epidemic. You know, you got you got somebody who's going to take a shot, come the hell of high water, and then all of a sudden he can throw you off the game. We just got talk, we got through talking about Tim Duncan and what he meant to the San Antonio Spurs, and especially what he meant to them when they're trying to win championships. Well, you know, when you look at that, that duo of Westbrook 
you look at that duo of Westbrook and Durant, think about what they were before the playoffs. You know, they were a dumpster fire in the last two, three minutes of ball games, and that's because they would not take care of the ball and, and, and win games out, okay? So I, I think that that had a lot to do with it. I think when he sat and thought about it, yeah, he could have got the money he wanted in uh, Oklahoma City. And I don't think this is all about legacy, really. I think that he's, a, I think that he, he thinks he's good enough that he could probably win anywhere. But I do believe that he wants to get with a team that knows and have players that are familiar with winning in the playoffs and finishing in the playoffs. All right. So that's what I believe. He doesn't have to go to Golden State and be the leader. All right. They've already got a leader. They've already got an MVP. All right. He can go out there and play his game. So, you know, I, I'm not one that, that really that I'm, I'm in favor of all this player movement. I think the fans kind of get, 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 get jilted sometimes. You know, they get used to certain players. They want to see what those teams can do, and then they just, you know, leave them at the altar. I get that. But in this particular case, you know, I, I, you've you got to see what's going on on the floor. And Russell Westbrook, as much as everybody wants to give him play, you know, how many times when this team really should be over the top have you just seen him just have a brain fart and just, it's all about me? And I just don't think – and, and they've got Bill Donovan is, is, is a great coach. I think he's a good coach. But he's struggling. With, he, I, thought, I thought he had got to him until they got to, those last, to that last couple of games. So I think that what you're seeing here is just, uh, you know, what, what you saw all season with Oklahoma City and with Durant. And he wants to go where, you know, they've got leadership in place and he can just go play his game. Not that he's not a leader, but that he can be a piece and not just the whole thing. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think um, you know, I think that's part of it. I think that, you know, uh, and, we you know, we talked about it on our podcast with uh, Justin Page and uh, with uh, the Game Changer. The Game Changer described him as uh, – you know, because he said this is a power generation. This is a power range of generation, and so, you know, it's you know, they used to seeing folks do it in a group, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and I I, I twisted. I was like, you know, this is this is also guys who move more to towards the Wu Tang in the sense that, you know, you can do it as a collective, but y'all all can have your own album. But we we all can come together for the collective, and uh, I think that part of that influences you know how they think about going about things, and so. Um, you know, to be in a place like Golden State where you know people are going to be sharing the ball, the ball movement. You know, I think if you watch how he plays with USA Basketball, you know, he, I, he looks like he's having a lot of fun because of the way the ball is moving. And I think right. he'd rather play a certain way than what he's been playing. Um, and I think, you know, people are saying, you know, there's other aspects of his game that don't get highlighted because of the way they've been kind of forced to play um, in Oklahoma City, and, and he probably doesn't see he doesn't probably doesn't see Westbrook changing that because that's just who he mm-hmm. is. You know, that's his link to being like Kobe. Like he's got that personality, and it's a lot of it's because he's such he, he's competitive. Westbrook is so fiercely competitive about winning. He's gonna do whatever it takes to win, and sometimes that means taking the shots. Um, and so. I think there was some imbalance for, for KD there, um, and and then he went to the option. And so part of it is he's got to start being live that life of being a so-called villain. Um, and mm-hmm. they're already giving him a hard time tonight on the ESPYs about he's the new villain now that LeBron is getting all the love. And so 
you know, how is he going to handle that space? And I thought his press conference, he handled it well. You know, he kind of leaned into it. Um, you know, but how are you going to handle that as the season progresses is, 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 is something else. And so, you know, that's you know, the talk of the town. We got, we got, we got, go ahead. You know, I, I have a hard time seeing him as a villain. And the reason why I say that is because, okay, he, true enough, he came out of Texas, you know, the top two pick, you know, good player, but he went to Seattle, okay? And, and, and there wasn't a whole lot of hype around Kevin Durant, all right? And then they moved to Oklahoma City. You know, they they, they become a playoff team. But you got to remember, they didn't even make the playoffs the other, last year, I don't believe. You know, which got the coach fired, and so you know he leaves. When you look at the, when you look at that narrative, you know versus a LeBron James who was supposed to be the second coming of Michael Jordan, who was supposed to take his hometown, you know, team to the promised land, and he leaves, you know, with this with all of this fluff and pomp and circumstance. That you know, it's not the same thing. And 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 I, and, and let me just um, let, let me just correct you. He ain't that loved by everybody, okay? He might be loved by ESPN and all those butt kisses, but he's not loved by everybody. There's still a huge following of people out there that can't stand LeBron James, okay? And a lot of people that are glad to see Kevin Durant go to uh, Golden State just so that he doesn't win another title with Cleveland, all right? So let's not get that twisted. <laughs> There are some folks who love, he he ain't all of a sudden the most beloved cat on the planet. A lot of people still can't stand it. So let's let's just get that right. This is, this is about to kill. See, I don't understand the LeBron stuff, man. All it says, all this cat there, like he ain't never been in trouble. He, the stuff he does for the community, the, the cat is is. I don't understand the narrative, man. I don't understand. And even LeBron with the decision, James and I was himself a deplorable character. Okay, listen, he's trying to reinvent himself. And you're right. If you if you just look on basic facts, okay, don't look at it as a fan of the game. Look at basic facts. You're right. He's never been in trouble. Okay, uh, good guy. Seems like to be a good father and all. But see, he come out with all that fluff. He come out with all of that stuff. He he he. he um, he comes out, look like he whining, he crying. He ain't got to do all of that, you know. Uh, he goes to Miami and wins. It wasn't his team. He comes back to Cleveland. All right. You have some people out there that said that that the whole playoff thing was kind of sketchy. We won't. We we don't have enough time to get into that. But I'm just telling you the the, the fan narrative. You know that that. The NBA is putting him up on a pedestal. Not that he's not one of the best athletes. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about the demeanor of the man that fans just don't, you know, fans don't easily forget. You know, fans don't easily forget. I don't care what you do. If you come out and you done pissed somebody off, then you done pissed them off. I don't care what you do. I saw how much money he gave to homeless families in his hometown and everything. It can't, you know, but you still got NBA NBA fans. They can't stand him, okay, and they won't stand him. And you got those that want to see him lose. All right, it's not personal, but it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say this. I had an opportunity, thanks to Phil T. I'm a shout out to my brother. Uh, had me had me opportunity to go see him in the queue when he played Toronto, and I tell this story. I was in the queue. I think it was like I don't know if it was game four. 
I think that might have been it. One of those. So we there, and he's got like a triple double. And at the end of the game, they went in. He's got his head down there in the huddle on timeout. Fans are cheering. He kind of looks up, and he looks. I mean, they crazy. Nobody's kind of pressure to take Win. Like, no one's the kind of pressure he'd be on since he was a teenager. And he understand the pressure he's been on. So I, I'm like, this is I mean, fans would want to be with LeBron. But when you look at what he's doing, look at all the other numbers that might be doing uh, not If Jackson, you look at him, you can criticize to his ability to be there in a moment or whatever. You can say what you want to say about that. You know, the shifted the power dynamics of the NBA in a way that, for me, I can appreciate. You and I are both player advocates on that side. We gladly got the power and ability to go. LeBron is the one being able to help orchestrate that and push that. And so I, what I'm what I'm saying is, and all the reasons I think you said is, is correct, but for me, I'm like, folks, if you're looking at this anyway, now when it comes to our Pistons getting where they're going to get, he's going to become enemy number one. <laughs> yeah. You know that. You know, if, right. if Van Gundy get it right, I'm still, I'll be looking at him like he's crazy. Um, right. But at the same time, I'm, I'm gonna give him his love for what he what he's doing, and I'm you know for me, and then how he played in this series, come on, come on. And and the reason why I was saying about Durant is Durant is beginning to feel some of the things that LeBron always felt, like you know this is how bad this is how good Durant had it. His hometown paper in Oklahoma City, they criticized him one time. People came out, they wrote an apology. Like I, I'm not leaving a town like that ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that's the kind of love I'm getting, I ain't leaving. <laughs> I ain't leaving. I mean, ain't nothing you right. can do wrong. You can become governor. So right. none of these other cats, Steph, Steph, Steph wasn't getting criticized, and Steph didn't. Steph, if we want to just say it, folded. And he Steph, wasn't really Steph catching that kind of criticism. Steph did not play well at all. But, you know, I, let me, since we're talking about that a little bit, you know, there, there was just some things that I think that they blew their wad trying to win 73 ball games. I think that mm-hmm. they really put a lot of focus on that because that team did not play like a championship team, okay? they did. There was just some things, and, and we can go all the way back to the Portland series, all right? The Portland yeah. series, Portland gave them fits. Now, we had this conversation the last time we was on that that's an up-and-coming right. team, and they very well might be. Okay, they, they've got some very good pieces over there. But that being said, you won 73 ball games. You're supposed to figure out a way to whoop everybody's tail getting to the finals. And for Golden State Warriors, they struggled. It was an uphill climb. Okay, granted that um, that Curry got hurt, but it was just it, there was something that they didn't look right. If you watched that team all season and watched them in the playoffs, they simply did not look right. And it seemed like after game two, they really – it was gone. It was gone. You know, and, and, and you just did not see where this team just they, – they got on the floor. And what we talked about before we went on here, it just seemed like 
you don't know what to do at the end of ball games to put games away all of a sudden. I mean that that to me just I couldn't help but scratch my head on that. And then some of that stuff was basketball one on one. And then when you see where you got Steve Kerr as your coach, old school, okay, played in the eighties, played in the nineties, and there's not a play that goes to the hole nowhere. That all that was just curious to me, you know, for this team. And and I'm not taking well, nothing away I, from Kyrie Irving or LeBron James. Yeah. They played their tails off. And for the and for the fans of Cleveland. That actually gives me hope. You know, that actually gives teams hope. You know, you got they call them Believe Land. They finally got their championship. You know, you, you that gives hope to like the Chicago Cubs and maybe our time is coming. That gives hope to people like the Detroit Lions. No, Detroit Lions fans ain't got no more hope. But you get my point. And one of the things, and this is where people was getting on me, game changers was getting on me. When I was trying to defend uh, Oscar and what Isaiah was saying, is that people keep talking about the game has changed, but certain principles of defense haven't changed. And their criticism of the way people were playing Golden State was how they were playing screens. They weren't making them uncomfortable. They were allowed for them to go through. And that's not 80s basketball. That's just basketball in a sense. And when you watch the way Cleveland played, once they made the adjustment and got the rotation right where, you know, they – you know, for you know, it, where they couldn't have Love and Kyrie on, and then Kyrie picked his defense up. But the way in which they defended the screens, they made it uncomfortable. And then on offense, they went right at Steph. And it's that kind of basketball, that kind of strategy that I don't always see teams playing in the NBA. It's like it's, mm-hmm. you, the great teams do it, no matter what era. It's not just that the fact that. You know, people are shooting threes in the game. People are talking, but defense is defense, and how you play a screen is how you play a screen. And certain teams, if you watch them play against teams like San Antonio or some of the elite teams who play elite defense, they know how to do those things. They make you uncomfortable. They get into your space. And as you know, in tight games, um, you don't shoot threes as well. It's just how it is. And so, at some point, you got to get to the basket and get easy buckets. And I was, it was less about Steph because he was going to the basket. It was more about Clay. I was surprised that if you watch the way Clay Thompson went to the basket, he went to the basket with no sense of strength. He was looking right. for contact, missing, doing that. You know, Steph is not slight of bill. He'd go there, and he was trying to go, but there are times when LeBron was coming over blocking his shot. He's going to do that to Steph. But it wasn't because Steph wasn't going hard to the hoop. Whereas Clay, Clay wasn't. Clay is the person I felt like who needed to get to the Brackens finish because he was six seven, six. You know he could do that, and he would get to the basket and do a dipsy do a reverse layup. So the the thing you're talking about, knowing in the moment when you got to get to the hoop and make some happen, draw some contact, get to the free throw line. I think that is an element. And I, I said I bet you see, uh, you you're going to see Steph get a little bit stronger this summer, and you're probably going to see him shoot more free throws meaning that you're yeah. probably going to see him get in the lane a little bit more in this next season because he's realizing that at the end of the games, he's shooting 90% from the free throw line. You know, getting to the line is as good as hitting that three when I shoot 90. <laughs> you, you're <laughs> absolutely so, right. I mean, and, and that's just the thing about it that's, that's, that's dying. And, you know, yeah. the big man, we talked about this off the air before. You got this rule that they just came up with. This hack a shack rule where 
you know, they're, they're, they're bailing out the big man because he can't shoot a damn free throw. That's not basketball. You're supposed not to shoot a free throw if you're a big man because you're playing with your back to the basket. That's fundamentals one-on-one. How about this, NBA? How about hiring some free throw shooting coaches? Rick Barry out here with his old <laughs> self said, I'll teach them how to shoot. They just, they just afraid their manhood is going to be gone. But they're going to be 88% from the line. When you got somebody like Andre Drummond, I'll take 50%, 45%, hell, 20 But the problem is that's basketball one-on-one. That's the piece that drives the, the, uh, the old schoolers crazy, is when you're starting to see somebody chuck up threes, you know, with two minutes left in the game, and, and, and in playoff basketball, which is back to the basket basketball. You know this, D. And, and this is what drives the, the three-pointer is, a, is the dagger. That's what it's called. It's called the dagger after you done, you done did what rendered them uh, merciless. But if that dagger is not hitting, you're hit. You're done. And that drives, that drives old schoolers, big men nuts. Man, I, I want to just let y'all know, Hank is on fire. Um, I want to thank my guy Nas from Atlanta for calling in. Nas is an example of the kind of folks we have listening to the real sports guys on the Real Sports Guys platform. This is one mic. You know, I always said I want to make this like the wake-up show for Sports Talk Radio where the quality of the kind of stuff we get, you ain't going to get anywhere else. And so Nas is proof. We got Hank in the building, excited. When we come back, the world-famous segment, Inside the Park with Hank, we're going to we're gonna get some music, then we're going to come to Inside the Park, Hank is already warmed up. Now, he warmed up on basketball. You know <laughs> what he's going to do when we, when we talk some baseball. You, this is the all-star edition. He about the clown. So we're going to get some music, and then we're going to come right into Inside the Park with my guy Hank segment, and he's going to hit you up with what's happening in our MLB. You know what? Because, you know, what we're doing, we ain't doing no half-second. That don't happen out here. Like 
Hi, this is Brett Bielma, the head coach of the University of Arkansas Razorbacks, and you're keeping it real with the real sports guys. Woo pig. Drugs 
and he's doing this, never been tested positive. That scares me. In fact, that scares me so bad, I feel sorry for his woman. But, again, I digress, getting on back into some more baseball. So then we go back to the All-Star game, and we see a little history being made there where we see two Kansas City Royals, Eric Hosmer and Salvador Perez, hit back-to-back home runs. That hasn't been done since the Dodgers did it back in the day. Very nice. And the American League once again pulls off a 4-2 victory. Now, I got to tell you, I was very impressed with uh, San Diego and how they did the All-Star game this year. I, you know, am particularly fond of the old brown and gold uh, uniforms. I know that probably is not appealing to a lot of you youngsters out there, but see, back in the day, baseball used to be colorful. Baseball used to do a lot of different things to bring people to the crowd, to bring people to the stands and to watch games. You would have brown and gold uniforms. You would have the Pittsburgh Pirates in their black and gold and their box hats. You would have the Houston Astros with all kind of colors in the rainbow. The Oakland A's, oh, my God, you can see them from space. But it was fun. It was baseball. And guess what? The All-Star game was also fun. It was also baseball. Guess what it meant? It didn't mean nothing but you going out there and seeing some of your favorite players play against each other. That's what it was all about. And now it means that the winner gets the um, – Gets the home field advantage. I, for one, don't. I think that's played now. And the only reason why it happened in the first day because Alan Bud Selig let an all-star game end in a tie. All right, so the competitive balance or the competitiveness of the game kind of got away, and the people booed and the people were upset. He could have let them play one more inning, and, it, and everybody could have gone home happy, but no. So it ended in a tie. So to keep interest in the all-star game, he just decided to say, well, now the winner will get home field advantage, which is not really fair, is it? If you're a Chicago Cubs fan, you haven't been to the playoffs, dare I say the World Series, since Jesus Christ was a child, you're not really happy if you may end up with the best record in baseball, but you've got to start the World Series, you make it to the World Series, and you start to have to start in the American League Park. That's not cool, and vice versa. So much so that the players themselves are having a problem with it, and they're saying that, you know what, that we need to let the competition between the, in the season determine who gets home field. Everybody else does it, baseball. It's time for you to get on board. That's absolutely right, and it's absolutely fair. If I don't play the 162 ball games and I win my division, or I've got the best record in baseball, but because my team doesn't play, doesn't play well in the all-star game because half of my stars decide to stay home, now I've got to go on the road, I'm going to be a little bit upset about that. I think it's time for you to do just like like the rest of these sports do. They've got it right. NFL, um, the NBA, and dare I even say the NHL. They've got it right. Best record, home field. You do it for the for the wild card. Let's do it for the World Series too. It's time for us to get off of that. You know, it is what it is. It's a spectacle for the fans. It should not mean nothing but for fans an opportunity to go see some of their favorites. That being said, we move on to the second half of the season. You know, we've had we got we got to do some mid we got to do some mid season um, all you know awards. We always do. You know, I'm going to kind of hold out a little bit for some of the rookies because I can be honest with you, I can know I know of a handful of them that's been doing the job in the American League and maybe a few more in the National League. But we've got some things going on with some of these players and some players that's really having some amazing seasons. They really deserves a little bit of uh, recognition. We look at the American League right now. We look at uh, 
who's got the best batting average? Well, Jose Altuve. That's not so. That's no surprise. Jose Altuve. I think he was he was one two in batting last year. Little man out of uh, the, the Houston Astros, still having a fine job. But here's a surprise for you, folks. How about this? How about Big Poppy? How about David Ortiz batting three thirty two, finished coming in second in the, in the, in the uh, American League as far as average is concerned? Who saw that coming? And we know the big man hits well. He's got a good eye, you know, but he's really putting it on. A name you don't see in the top five this year is Miguel Cabrera. You know, our Triple Crown winner from several years ago. All of a sudden now, he's kind of falling off. But you still see another name in there, uh, Mike Trout and Xander Bogarts. You know, the Boston Red Sox got off to a really really good start this year. They had four or five players that were just doing work. You may want to watch out for that team, Bostonians. I think they're going to make a push, even though the Baltimore Orioles are surprising a lot of people this year and having a fine year. And speaking of fine years, what about Mark Trumbo? Y'all remember Mark Trumbo when he was with the uh, with the Angels? Mark Trumbo was a nice player with the Angels. You know, he was a nice the, the, the next guy up after your pool horses, after your trouts. But he is leading the American League with 28 home runs, uh, followed by Todd Frazier and the Edwin Encarnacion. But the fact of the matter is, is that we watched the Baltimore Orioles here. They, they really put it together. They put it together here in the first half, and they are really looking like they're trying to make that push going into the second half of the season. We're just going to have to wait and see. Moving into RBIs, we see the Edwin Encarnacion and that very, very potent uh, Toronto Blue Jay offense. It's not a surprise there. As far as American League pitchers are concerned, look at that Chris Sale. You know, and, and the Chicago White Sox have kind of fallen off a little bit in the first half. They really started off strong like they're trying to do something but that surge of the Cleveland Indians are very well coached, very well managed by Tito Francona. I still believe that they're going to be the team to beat in the American League. Moving over now, who's having pretty good seasons, having good first halves? Let's look at that uh, Daniel Murphy with the Washington uh, Nationals, leading the National League with a 348 uh, batting average. You know, followed right behind him is DJ LeMahieu with Colorado. Colorado, you would figure. With that, with that band box and with that, with that thin air, somebody should always be on top of it. I don't care who it is. You know, I don't care if it's the core's delivery man. He should be able to be in the top two, if you would think so, in, in, in league average playing the course field all around. And then here's your boy, Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant, who hit the home run in the all-star game against the National League, they're a very quick lead. That young man is the truth. You know, he came up as a rookie last year, you know, came up a little bit, that he really tore it up in spring training, and then they sent him back down for reasons unknown. He's been When he came up, he stayed up, and he's been doing work. He's leading the uh, National League in home runs in that band box known as Wrigley Field. I don't expect anything different. And, again, I just got through talking about a Colorado Rocket. Here's Nolan Arenado right behind him with 23 home runs. That's, that's theirs right there. There's 100 home runs for the season just waiting to happen. Runs back there, again, Nolan Arenado. You know what? You look at uh, Nolan Arenado. He is, if, if it wasn't for the fact that the Rockies, or the Rockies, he would be a very legitimate MVP candidate. He is having an amazing season. But a lot of your baseball experts, you know, really kind of look side-eyed because they play on the course field. And like I said, if the beer delivery man could come in and hit three home runs, then it's kind of hard for anybody else out there. But I think that, you know, he, but he is having a very nice season. I would also look to him to be perhaps, potential trade bait, I wouldn't think so. 
I know a lot of the baseball people I just said, you're crazy, and we're not going to trade Arenado. But I said the same thing about Tulowitzki. That, you know, if, if, they're, if they're not going to do any better, they might as well get some prospects for him. And somebody would pay a very nice penny for him or cargo, Carlos Gonzalez. You know, National League wins, going to pitchers now. We see where Johnny Cueto is doing the job. You know, he's with a nice team. You know, he, he's with the, with the Giants this year. Good fit for Johnny Cueto. Very good fit for him. You know, taking a little pressure off. You know, you got the mad bomber still over there, Madison Baumgartner. Uh, that was that was mowing down players just before the All Star break, like 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 uh, like a uh, um, Toro tractor. But you got to keep an eye on that. But then this is an even season, and you know what San Francisco Giant fans say happens in the even season. They win the World Series. Keep an eye out for them. Really quickly, right now we're gonna go and look at the standings. Okay, we look at what's going on right now in the American League, and as I talked about them Red Hot Baltimore Orioles, followed by again them Boston Red Sox. I'm gonna tell you right now. You got the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. I'm telling you, they've got one one potent potent offense, and you got the Baltimore Orioles. You can see that's going to come right down to it. The Blue Jays and the Red Sox only two games back. That's going to be fun to watch the American League East all season long. I think those two teams, those three teams, are going to be battling back and forth. Look for the Yankees to be uh, uh, sellers this year. I think they draw. I think they dump payroll. I think that the that that the thrill is gone for the. Uh, for the New York Yankees. I think it's time for them to dump payroll. Moving on to the Central, when you got the dysfunctional American League Central, you've got the one team that's really putting it together now, look at the Cleveland Indians are poised to run away with the Central, and then you got everybody else. Because, and when I say everybody else, because you've got two or three teams that's only two or three games uh, above 500. They cannot seem to figure out what they want to do. That includes the defending champion, Kansas City Royals. Should be interesting to see what happens in the Central. But, again, I look for Cleveland to run away with that. It looks like they're going to do that as well. Moving on to the American League West, we see the Texas Rangers now and all that firepower they have over there leading the Houston Astros. All Houston uh, battle, but I, just, I don't think the Astros have enough this year. I think Houston goes ahead and takes that in my prediction. And moving on to the East. Now, this is something that I, I, I kind of seen coming. You have a team poised to win. You have the Washington Nationals, a team that's poised to win. They go and get a veteran manager with all, with, with, that's got experience, and now look at what they're doing. They're leading the National League East over the defending National League champion New York Mets by six games, and the surprising Miami Marlins. Now, watch out for the Marlins. I don't think the Marlins is going to be ready this year, but they've got a lot of young talent. They can get a couple of pieces. They can really make a push. I don't know if they've got enough to make a push for the playoffs this year, but they've got a, they're a very exciting team to watch. Very exciting team to watch and a very exciting team to keep an eye on. Moving on to the Central, you've got the Cubs. And if you are a baseball purist, you're kind of pulling for the Cubs. You, want, you know, if you've got Believe Land in Cleveland winning their championship, you've got to be pulling for the Cubbies to put it together. You know, let's, let's, let's kill the, the curse of Bartman and keep it going. You know, if you're a baseball purist, let's see what happens here. They're leading the, the, uh, American, the National League Central by seven games over the Chicago, the St. Louis Cardinals, and the Cardinals are never out of it. That is your quintessential second-half team. Okay, keep an eye on them. You may not look like they got enough, but they're still very well coached, and they're going to really make a push. And I, just, and, and I think the Pittsburgh Pirates, I think the thrill is gone now. 
and then and then you just are wrapping up the rest of the, the division. I would look for the Pirates if they don't make it much more of a push. They may be sellers this year. Sorry, Pittsburgh fans, but uh, a Kutch can't do it by himself. And they've they've been very 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 stingy with the purse strings. They've had opportunities to make a move to to really get that team over the top, and it just seemed like they're reluctant to do it. Moving on to the National League West, and as I said before, this is an even year. And guess who's leading the, the West? You guessed it, the San Francisco Giants. And they're leading the Dodgers, who I don't know. The Dodgers, to me, is another team that seems dysfunctional. They went and got an inexperienced manager, uh, and I, I think that's going to cost them this year. They needed to go, in my opinion, and get a, a veteran manager to manage those egos over there. You've got an MVP You've got a, uh, a Cy Young uh, uh, player in, in, a, in a Kershaw. You spend a lot of money. You're not stingy with the purse strings, but you go get Dave Roberts to run your team. Not a good move. Not a good move at all, in my opinion. And that's going to cost them down the stretch. And as I said before about the Colorado Rockies, 16 games back, season's over. Look for them to be sellers, and they've got some nice pieces, and that's unfortunate. You know, then it's rounding out. The, 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 the National League West, you got the Colorado Rockies, the San Diego Padres, and the Arizona Diamondbacks, and they should be last because they've got the god ugliest uniforms in the league. And I don't know why and who thought that was a good idea, but clearly they've been out in that, in that sun too long out there in Arizona, and clearly they've been drinking some cactus juice. So, folks, what we want to do is uh, I want you to stay tuned to one mic, uh, we're gonna we're, we're gonna we're gonna be back after these messages, and uh, we're gonna get back and get D Wheels back on the mic, and we're gonna do a little bit more talking for you. Be right. Try to post that on. You can check us out on our iTunes 
subscribe to it, uh, give us a review. But Hank, man, uh, I loved it. Uh, Mid season, I probably watched more baseball this year um, than I probably have, in the, and I'm just amazed by what Big Poppy's doing. I mean, yeah, uh, me too. He found the fountain of youth. I mean, it, it's just a cra- it's, it's it's amazing, man. And uh, he's having so much fun right now. And um, they interviewed him um, prior to the start, I think, of the All Star game. And the way he talked about working with the younger players and um, passing on, you know, legacy. I mean, you think about it. You know, this is an organization that, in some ways, was the same way like the Cubs. We talked about Cleveland and all that. You know, they've won three world championships since he's been there. Um, uh, and his commitment to helping these young guys build a bridge to them was just in how excited he was about the young guys he had on his team is, is a, a lot. I know you've been watching a lot, and, you know, I guess, you know, what, you know, maybe just say a few words about Big Poppy. Well, you know what? I give Big Poppy a lot of credit. What Big Poppy did, Big Poppy knew this was going to be his last year. But he made a commitment to get himself in probably the best shape of his entire career so that he would go out on a high note. And he's really showing in his numbers. And he, and he is really a plus player this year. You know, you see a lot of guys when they get to the end of their career, D, and, you know, it's more or less just a, a, a thank you tour. You know, they broke up. Uh, they, you know, you, you, you wish that you could you, you wax in nostalgia. Big Poppy is doing work. Big Poppy is an integral part of that Boston Red Sox offense, okay? He's batting three thirty four. okay, in his final year, all right? The man's 40 years old. He's, he's, he's tearing the cover off the ball. He's running bases. He's stealing bases. He's doing some amazing things. And it's all, you know, attributed to his preparation for this last season. And he and not only that, just look at the ambassador he's been. Look, look at the um, – the ovation and, and just the that he got and the accolades he got at the All Star game and that, and that was clearly for him and I and and, and I I was remiss I didn't mention that in the inside of the park segment but that was all for him and he's always been smiling and joyous and, and joyful and you know he he's adopted that Boston community you know he he, he he didn't Boston he didn't come from Boston he Minnesota he came from Minnesota they traded for him. And, you know, he's adopted that community. He's become a leader. He's become a staple there. And you just can't say enough. And, and you don't even have to be a Boston uh, Red Sox fan. But you can be definitely be a fan of one of the good guys in the league, and that is David Ortiz. Yeah, I think, uh, and that, I mean, in the colorfulness that he offers, um, you know, and his, what he's willing to say, I think is, is, is really important. I mean, he just adds a, a essence of what we talked about that, you know, in some ways social media has is, is stifled some of it, but because he, he kind of gets a pass as, as someone who came from a, a different era, but he offers that energy that, that in being authentic that you would hope that um, athletes would do more. I mean, he just loves the game. People love him. Other players, the way in which they react to him uh, says all you need to know. Uh, about it, and in this time we have so many legendary players retiring. I mean, he's retiring literally on top. I mean, yeah, he's retiring. You know, I yeah, he's retiring I, on top. He is retiring on top, and I think that when you look at him, I don't think that in his case, when you if you're just watching him play, I don't think that in his case he's retiring because he can't play anymore. 
I think that David Ortiz, because he, he looks the part of someone who wants to coach or someone who wants to teach baseball, and he wants to dedicate his time to do that because he's playing at a high level at the major leagues. So he, he, you, you could make an argument that he could play next year if he wanted to, and someone would pay him the money to do so. But I do believe just watching him, that, that he just wants to do more for the game outside of playing, and he has to dedicate his time to do that as he's dedicated his time to play this year. All right. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, one mic uh, with D. Wills and with Hank. Um, it's been amazing. Again, thank my guy, Nas, from Atlanta for chiming in and contributing to the podcast um, regarding uh, NBA free agency. You know, this has been a fun podcast so far, and we're, we're nearing the end of the podcast, and I wanted to take a few minutes. Uh, we have a segment uh, we call, like, what's in the news and some things that are in the news related to sports that we wanted to uh, – I wanted to be able to kind of push past Hank. You know, I, you know, Hank is uh, uh, someone that I, I've known for a long time and, and really respect his opinion, and there's been just a number of things that have happened up here recently that I'd love to get kind of his feedback on. And so, Hank, the first one I'm going to – hit you with is um, uh, the Minnesota Lynx. You know, they, they uh, following, you know, really uh, an incredible week that kind of shook the country. Um, and, again, this kind of theme of, you know, athletes understanding that they have a responsibility to engage in these larger con- conversations, particularly given that, um, um, you, know, the, you know, what happened in Minnesota. And uh, they wear a shirt that gets a reaction um, that I thought was a pretty balanced shirt, meaning that uh, they recognized um, uh, the officers in uh, the law enforcement officials in Dallas uh, by having a shield. And then obviously uh, the, the names of, uh, of two of the black males who, uh, who died at the hands of uh, altercations with law enforcement or uh, not really altercations, but, um, uh, incidents involving law enforcement. Best way we can describe it right now to kind of keep the context. But I want to really focus on what we've had a long discussion around this national discussion. But what was your reaction when you saw, um, you know, these women who, you know, in some ways we saw LeBron and others do it with Trayvon Martin. But what was your reaction when you saw that? You know what? I think that any sort of awareness is good awareness. And I think that the more visible you are, the more you can use your celebrity, the more you can use your exposure, the more it's going to get out there. You know, unfortunately, Dean, you know, this this is not an old problem, okay? But it's going to be, as a country, we're going to have to say, when is enough enough, okay? You, you, You cannot use some of these slogans if you're not going to do anything about it. You know, what, what happened in Minnesota, what happened in Baton Rouge, what happened in Dallas is, is, is tragic. But the reason why it's so tragic is because it's an old problem. It's a chronic problem. And unless we as a nation decide to fix it and stop acting like it's not and stop making excuses why it's okay, it's going to continue and it's going to get worse. You know, I, you know, I, I don't – any job, okay, any job – if you, I, I hear it all the time. You can have some of the best people in the world doing that job, but it only takes one bur- bad person to make your job look bad. 
You have to mm. put a stop to that. You don't let good people, bad people make you look bad. Put a stop to it. That's the way I feel about that. And give people their day in court. You know, when we start talking about these young men that get shot and killed by the police, the first thing anybody wants to say is, well, he had a record. Well, then let him have his day in court, okay? Innocent until proven guilty. Innocent until proven guilty. There are good cops out there. Good cops, stop the bad cops from making you look bad, okay? Protect and serve. That that means in your precincts. That's what you have to do. Okay, then things will start to get better. There's some things in this country that are not going to get better. I'm sorry. But as long as we act like it doesn't happen or that, that we can excuse it and poo-poo it off, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And that's, and that's not going to be safe for anybody. And I, You know, and carrying along that, those lines, uh, to, you know, tonight um, in the opening of the ESPYs, um, LeBron James, Melo, D-Wade, um, and, uh, and uh, CP3 and, um, made a statements along those lines. And it was powerful to have those four men standing really in front of their peers, really challenging them to do more in their communities. Um, and so you, you see this growing wave, you know, in, in some ways um, – some of the essence of what you saw in some of the student athletes and the athletes in the 60s, um, response to their responsibility um, uh, to, to some of these issues. And so there, 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 is, there is a responsibility there. Um, and, you know, one of the things I've always said is that change can't happen until uh, the people who are in privileged positions become part of the conversation. And I think what was most mm-hmm. disturbing about what happened uh, with the Minnesota Lynch situation is, you know, you and I are both um, in leadership and supervisory relationship uh, positions in our roles outside of what we do in the context of this podcast. And you will understand this. Um, there are things that happen in our organization from a human resource standpoint because we are the faces of it. Everybody else around it can talk. We can't talk. Right. We have to be the leaders in that, and we have to facilitate the transition and making sure that, Everybody is moving forward, but everybody else has the ability to engage in it all they want. And we have to be disciplined about it. That's part of our leadership role, that we cannot engage in that because of, of, uh, of the protection that happens within that. And I think in that situation, the law enforcement officers, yeah, there's a larger issue there, but as people who are in that, that responsibility in terms of public service, you got a job to do. Right. It, it, it means, it, it means, you know, even when you're at a, a Klan rally and people are going down, you still got to be there to keep order. But you, as a public servant person, you are, you have a responsibility there. So then when you leave, that's not something you do. And then have, mm-hmm. you know, the leadership there comment on that they were okay with that. That that is, those issues are larger issues, but you have a job to do in that space. And so. You know, I think part of the, the bigger issue here, and, and I have great mentors who have been in law enforcement. I've, I've worked in, you know, Charlie, shout out to Charlie Tubbs, who um, put together a midnight basketball program in Boyd, Wisconsin, and, and the young people we coached and what they did to go into school. I've watched folks do different things in the community. I've been fortunate to do it. So I, I think we got to be solution-focused around this. And, uh, you know, this is an issue, obviously, you know, that's what we do on those sports guys. 
we're going to talk about this. And so, uh, Hank, thank you for getting feedback uh, at all. This has been great. We're getting near the end of the show, and uh, it's time to drop the mic. And so I guess I get the opportunity to drop the mic. Um, what I want to say is that um, we kind of build this conversation we just that we live in interesting times. And um, uh, sport um, is not immune to that. You know, when people say we need to separate this stuff out, all these things are intertwined. Um, it was one of the reasons why, um, frankly, we, we wanted to, to, to get this platform on because, yeah, we love having fun. We'll talk about sports. If you listen to our podcast, you're going to, you're going to laugh a lot. Uh, you're, going to, you're going to be entertained in those ways. But we are going to be folks who are, are going to uh, intersect and get into issues that intersect sports. Um, and the reason why, and I, and I can say this for all my, all, all my colleagues who work on Real Sports Guys who have been a part of this podcast, is that um, our lives have been changed uh, because of the experiences that we've had in sports. In fact, the relationships we have of uh, folks who come from all kinds of backgrounds were cultivated in a sports setting because we were part of a team working with people towards one cause, whether that was trying to win a championship, trying to do something. And in that process, we developed friendships for life that we maintain on Facebook and, and whatever. And, and it, it's in that locker room space that we realize that no matter where you're from, if you're rich, poor, black, white, whatever, we have the ability to all work towards one cause. And, and in that nature, we also have a responsibility to also engage. And so uh, we hope that all of you find a way in, in which you can contribute us in one positive way to kind of get our country where it should be. Um, and we will do that as part of what we do on our platform with Real Sports Guys. Thank you again. Please subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, we respect it. Thanks again to my guy, Nas from Atlanta, for calling in. We hope you call back. That's it. Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.